all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? <laughs> I'm Rachel. <laughs> I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. Follow us Insta, X, Facebook, TikTok, Twitch, Threads, Blue Sky at All Bad Things Pod. <laughs> Email us allbadthingspod at gmail.com. Join our Facebook discussion group, our subreddit, and our Discord. Do all of those things. <laughs> and as of tonight, I am trying to be better <laughs> about our social media and actually like post things. Okay. So I actually posted. Uh, some hints about tonight's or tonight's recording this today's episode <laughs> oh okay but i have um, not seen any of it okay uh but first of all uh we have entered our season of lightheartedness and miracle sods yes we have for the next four episodes total we're moving it up <laughs> yes this, <laughs> yes. this year it's not just christmas and new year's it's gonna be yeah. a couple weeks leading up to yeah, it yeah i think we've all earned it Mm-hmm. Especially after la- last week's episode. I think so. I think we really have. Not yes. that that was, not that it's about it. It's, it is. This is a disaster podcast. It is. It is that well within. That was a terrible thing. Yes. So it worked It was well within the well. bounds. Yes. Yes. But we all need a break sometimes. <laughs> yes. So we're taking it. I'm actually super excited about this episode. I, it's like. So you made, because I, I was on the discussion group at some point today, but I don't think I saw it, anything. It was literally like two hours ago. Oh, I wasn't on then. I gave a hint as to the episode topic with two emojis. Okay. And I'm like, this is Can incredibly obscure. I'm going to show you in a oh, second. Okay. Like, this is, I don't think anyone's going to understand this. This is like Rachel, Rachel thoughts or whatever. Do you know Abby got it like that? That doesn't surprise me. Let's let's see. What do you think that is? I don't know. It's a well. It's a. Is that a lampshade? Is that what I'm seeing? <laughs> no, look a little closer. <laughs> oh, it's a champagne. Uh, yes, a champagne bottle. Champagne star. Champagne supernova. <laughs> you got it. The song. Is that what we're doing? Well, the song. What do you think is a disaster surrounding champagne supernova? Could it be the Gallagher Brothers? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I was thinking. I was like, I was like, are we doing the whole band? I was like, but well, we're doing the, yes, basically the band. <laughs> yes. That really, like, from a foot away, looked like a. It looked like a, a lampshade. Well, well, a lamp without the lampshade. That's what I meant to say. Oh, but like the base. It looked like something. It looked like something you find in Fallout Four. Like that's the mm. first. That's the first thing I saw. I got. And you. I'm like, oh, I need that for the glass and the ceramic. Mm-hmm. So I can build things. <laughs> yes. Okay. That's. It that's, is very Fallout. When 4. I see like light bulbs, like that's what my mind goes to now. <laughs> it doesn't surprise me. You've played a lot of Fallout I'm like, Four. I'm like if. And like if I somehow experience the apocalypse, I think I'll be able to make something out of broken light bulbs. <laughs> I don't know. They don't make you literally do it in the game. They don't, but at least the imagination's there. <laughs> Come up with something, you know, like a trap at least, something like. But whatever. But uh, yeah, the yeah, the they are a disaster. They sure are. 
So, I, I'm sure you're going to talk about the unplugged performance. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> we'll definitely talk about that. One of the biggest that. disasters you'll ever fucking see. Yes. <laughs> so Liam and Noel Gallagher, brothers and founders of the band Oasis, are the subjects of a very public, decades-long sibling rivalry that puts them in the annals of highly successful bands whose members hate each other. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what? Where's your source for that? I don't believe you. Um, having been in many bands. <laughs> yeah. That's where it starts. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I could list like bands that have like essentially like broken up like during an award show kind of. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, where everything's supposed to be cool because we're in a band, man. Isn't this what we were here for? Like, oh my god, not everybody has the same agenda. I feel like I've spoken about this before, but having been in many bands, being in a band is a highly unique experience and unique oh, dynamic. For sure. And what it is ultimately <coughs> is kind of a power struggle. Oh, of course it is. Yeah, you know, because you have multiple independent creatives that's the other problem it's a bunch of creative people Mm -hmm. that's that's a recipe for disaster getting creative people together to try and accomplish i mean because creative people are a little weird Mm -hmm. sometimes too weird yes and but if you get too many of them together Mm -hmm. it gets too weird well and if you get too many of the same kind of weird together it's a total disaster but if you get too different of weird people polar opposites then that's a problem too yes but it's also magic it can't be. It's a magical problem. It can't be. It's like serendipity. <laughs> the the film with Joan Cusack yes, or uh, Joan Cusack, Joan John Cusack. Cusack. I think she was probably in it. She she's in most she's of the movies. Yeah, yeah. She's made a good chunk of change through her career too. I'm guessing. Oh yes, yeah, John not, Cusack and Kate Beckinsale. That's who yes. were in serendipity. Mm-hmm. Anyway, primary sources are American Songwriter, The Daily Record, Far Out Magazine, The Guardian, NME. The documentary Oasis Supersonic, which is only available on Netflix in the UK, How Did I Access It, Wink Wink VPN. It's been on the... uh, It's not currently on the US. Correct, but I have seen it on the... Do you know I watched that whole damn thing? I watched an entire documentary on Oasis. (laughs) You know how I feel about Oasis, and we'll talk about Oasis. I can't can't believe you did that. I know. Pitchfork, (laughs) Rolling Stone, and Wikipedia. I did it as like a nostalgic thing. Because you were interested. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I did it for the show. It would be like me watching like a Steely Dan documentary. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I just just can't. Just no interest. Just can't. Like, the musicianship, I mean, I'll never. Right. You can't. I mean, yeah. it's it's phenomenal. Well, we'll but get I'm in... but I'm not into right. We'll get into that. my feelings on Oasis's music. But... <laughs> so we will. we'll start in section one. What's the story, Morning Glory? That's I'm I've titled each of these oh, sections. Okay. So their second album. Yes. So um, I know this isn't news to you, David, but I don't really understand Oasis. <laughs> like why? When they speak, or just overall? Oh well. To be fair, I couldn't tell their voices apart, even though they're different. <laughs> and it oh, in a me... song, you definitely can. Yes, you yeah. uh, you can. You're right about that. But when they're, they were speaking, I don't know. Yeah, one British sound... man sounds like another <laughs> British man. They, they're they one of the few people that they're speaking English and they need subtitles. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't get why they were so popular. And we'll get into their like the height of their popularity and everything. I have, I think, a unique perspective on that because well, we'll I get grew up. We'll get to it. Yeah, 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 you, yeah. I was, I was right in the, the their fucking wheelhouse. I was too young. Yeah. 
uh, I was like 11 when they were at their height. Yeah. You were an adult mm-hmm. when they were at their height. I was a young adult. Thank young you. adult. Yes, you were a young adult. <laughs> it's not, yeah, she, that could sound creepy. Like, you were 45 at <laughs> <this> the time. <laughs> We've never really discussed how big our age difference is. No. Um, I don't get the appeal of their songs or their voices, I have to say. I find Liam's voice kind of grating. And we'll talk (laughs) more about that. But I figure I just have to chalk it up to the fact that they were of a time where I was alive, but much too young to be their target audience. And that somehow I just don't get them. Like, I and we've talked about this. I like the Beatles. Sure. A lot of... uh, I'm on the same boat. And I like them a little less than you do, but I'm not like, you know... also, I can understand somebody listening to some, of, at least some of their music and being like, what was the big fucking deal? Yeah. You know, because it has to be contextualized, sure. right? Now, I am not comparing Oasis to the Beatles, even though a lot of people did. Yeah. They couldn't be farther from the Beatles other than their look. Liam clearly was trying to pretend to be John Lennon. He named his child yeah. Lennon. Well, they did the smartest thing ever by, as soon as they got accused of, like, ripping off the Beatles, they said, yeah, that's exactly what we're doing. They, like, they admitted it. They, they were very clear yeah. on what they were doing. Yeah. And that kind of, it was like, well, okay. Like, mm-hmm. they like what do, we, what do we ask them now? Like, they're admitting it. Right. Mm-hmm. And if people are into it, then yeah, people yeah. are into it. Mm-hmm. I also think maybe they're just like, it's a Gen X moment, and they're a little too Gen X for me or something. I don't know. Um, I'll try to poke gentle fun. And actually, the sure. more I learned about them and their childhoods, the more sympathetic I got to them. Sure. So, um, but this does introduce a new corner for the show. We have geography, corner, history, corner. We're going to have slag off corner. Oh, I thought we were going to have Gallagher corner. <laughs> Gallagher. Gala like, corner. Like, like we were going to include the comedian as well. <laughs> Just all the Gallagher. All the Gallagher. Peter Gallagher, yes. notably. There's, there's a Joel Gallagher probably somewhere. <laughs> so obviously we're talking about siblings here. So some of the background is going to be the same. I struggle telling them apart. But uh, the Gallagher brothers are originally from, do you know where in England? Uh, man, because of their accent... They're not Liverpudlian. No. Is it Birmingham? No. No? Good guess. Okay. Manchester. Oh. So they're from Manchester, England. Their parents are Peggy Sweeney and Thomas Gallagher, or Peggy Sweeney Gallagher and and Thomas Gallagher. Peggy and Thomas met in 1963 at the train station luggage carousel when they had both newly arrived in Manchester, having immigrated from Ireland. So they they are Gallagher's or Gallagher's of... Irish parents, okay. so that's their uh, their background. Neither of the more famous brothers... So they're like, let's go from uh, cold, sunnyless weather <laughs> to a different spot where we can experience cold, sunnyless sunny weather. Let's just go a couple hundred miles <laughs> <Yeah>. east. <laughs> where we're going to have to wear a parka like seven months out of the year instead of eight. See, I, I cannot speak to England because I have not been to England, but you don't know how beautiful scotland was and that's even farther north so i would take i would totally take the gloom and doomy weather which did happen sometimes hey i would take the for the beauty of the place i would take the highlands that some of those pictures you showed me i'd be like i could live out there and and be it's amazing as long as i've got a a nice car where i can get back and forth right Mm -hmm. (laughs) on those terrifying roads but yes but that's what i'm saying yeah 
you know, like a Nerf car. <laughs> Just bounce <laughs> like a yes, bumper car. Exactly. So neither of the mo- more famous brothers, Gallagher, were the first brother. They had a third brother. Uh-oh. And actually, he was the first brother. He was the firstborn. It's always their fault. Named Paul, who's about a year older than Noel. Then Noel's the middle child. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. that explains a lot. <laughs> it explains so much, doesn't it? Uh, he was born on May 29th, 1967, and Liam followed like five years later. He's okay, actually okay. decently so younger. Yeah. September 21st, 1972. But that is how you can tell them apart, because Noel genuinely looks older. They also... Even, even when the band first broke. Yes, and they also look... I, I didn't know get... he was five years older. Yeah. I thought he was only like yeah. maybe one or no, two. No, a few so years. So that kind of makes sense. I don't want to get down on people's looks, but they look very British. Yeah, they do. I mean, um, yes. Very distinct. They look very of that part of Earth. There we go. That's not getting down on Because their see. ancestry they came from uh, Ireland. Yes. So they're of... A very ancient part, Gaelic part of the world. They're of like Middle Earth. <laughs> You're calling them hobbits? Yes. Well, no. Well, no. They're, they're just from that territory. Yes. Well, no. They're just from the Hobbitville. Yes. I thought that was filmed in New Zealand. <laughs> you said Middle Earth. Well, Don't I mean, the hobbits well, I just mean, Earth? like, in my mind, like, England and, like, the UK, it's, like, right in the middle. You know. Like, the middle of what? Well, in the Middle East is right below it. So, middle, <laughs> so middle Earth, it, it makes sense. Middle Earth is a fake I from just, Tolkien. I understand, but in my mind, if there was a Middle Earth, this is it where it would the, be. It'd be the UK. You're like, it would be Iran and Ireland. No, that's the Middle No, that's the Middle East. Oh. Okay. Middle Earth is now where the UK is now. That makes no sense. I love that. Oh man. Oh wow. Okay. So uh not to read too far into the possible childhood origins of their feud, but uh, Paul got his own room growing up, and Noel and Liam bunked uh, together. Yeah. Now, it's an interesting choice. Let me see. Jeez, mm. I know a couple of siblings who went through that. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. You've got two boys who are like a year apart, but you don't bunk them together. You bunk the middle one and one five years younger? Yeah, so he's just kicking his ass for who knows how yeah, we'll, well. We'll get into that. <laughs> Probably so. forever. It's a it's an odd age gap, you know. Like my sister and I are three years apart, and I feel like that's like just old enough that's, that I just right. big enough that I felt I got left out of some stuff when I was younger, but, but not, close enough that once we got yeah. into adulthood, it's like we're the same age, you know. Yeah, I mean my so. my uh, myself and my two siblings, we are all year wise four years apart. Mm-hmm. So my oldest sister, she's eight years older than me. Seven-ish. So, well, correct in actual, yeah. but I'm talking mm-hmm. about year-wise. Mm-hmm. And we didn't we didn't really like start to Hang like out. have like adult conversations right. until like a couple of years ago because we were always so far uh, apart in age. What is she going to tell experience. me when I'm 21 and she's like 29? Like, right. what, what conversation are we going to have? Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're going to have the conversation like you're turning 30, you're going to be so old. Right. <laughs> Whereas we would all get most of us would give. <laughs> to be back at 30. Right. So according to Peggy, there was an almost instant rivalry between Noel and Liam. She, her uh, suspicion was that Noel didn't want a little brother. Like, right? Like he, she was paying attention to Paul and Noel. And then all of a sudden, several Here, years later, this, uh, this baby comes along. Here's this right? intrusive thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
unfortunately, and this is this is kind of one of the parts of their story that makes me a little more empathetic to them. Their father, Thomas, was physically abusive to Peggy, Paul, and Noel. Mm. Uh, Liam actually said that his father never touched him. He hates the guy, he, and we'll talk about that, but he said that... he took it, it out on everybody else he took it out, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Peggy said that Noel was really the one to get the most mm. abuse. Um, so, in a quote only a few steps removed from Henry Kissinger saying that narrowly escaping the Holocaust didn't really affect him, Noel said... <laughs> he was like, I did what? Like, <laughs> what? Noel said, quote... You can't let that kind of thing affect you in any way. End quote. That, it's but gonna. That's a, well, it's that's gonna a, know, it's But that's gonna. a that's a clear defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. Like he knows it's affecting him. And sure, sure. That's, that's whereas fair. whereas Kissinger was like, what happened? He was just a like, horrible sociopath. Almost well, just well, almost like just not oblivious, but like oh. in, like indifferent. Indifferent. To it, yes, I, which, I agree with that. Which is like, how can you be indifferent to? Going through like essentially the beginning of World War Two, almost getting genocidally in- right. annihilated. Yes, like how yeah. can you be indifferent to it? Just learning about it, right? Let alone let alone barely, let alone it. being involved in along it, along with your whole family. So, yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's just yeah. Okay, we got a sociopath <laughs> on our hands. Liam said that when he was around seven years old, one night while Thomas was out of the house, Peggy left, taking the kids with her. Though she and Thomas would not officially divorce for a few more years. <clears throat> Here's a picture of Peggy and the boys. Can you? I, I don't know how well you know their faces, but can you point? Well, you can probably, oh, given their ages, point out Liam. Well, then that's got to be. That's that, Liam. Yes, that's got to mm-hmm. be Liam. And I'm guessing that that's Paul. That is Paul. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's so that Noel. would be. Yep. He still looks the same. A little bit. Yeah. He's still got the same haircut. And eyebrows and nose, yeah, right? <laughs> well, Noel has, like, the huge eyebrows. Yes. Whereas Liam, like... And just to, to a little comparison, so here's them as children and then as adults. Yeah, I mm-hmm. mean, it's almost the same picture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think especially Noel. He looks the exact same. Yeah. Like, you can oh, totally yeah. tell that's him. They look like little British gentlemen. They do. <laughs> <laughs> then they became like a menace to oh, society. We're, yeah, we're getting into that. Don't worry. Don't you worry. So Peggy said that their childhood experience with their father left the boys, quote, bitter. Which, okay, fair enough, right? Yeah. <clears throat> My parents merely went through a divorce and I was bitter. No, yeah. I wasn't, Let alone I, abused, I wasn't right? physically mm-hmm. abused or even, mm-hmm. or even verbally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, but mm-hmm. there's still a fucking, you know, what's your guy's fucking problem? Right, sure. Yeah, I can only, yeah. Any disruption to the family unit <laughs> yeah. is difficult for a child, so yeah. Well, it's difficult for adults, too. Noel and Liam did, yeah. see, did see their father throughout their older childhood years, but especially Liam remained highly estranged from his father even years later. We're going to hear more about that later. So... Together, the two youngest Gallagher boys got into a lot of trouble. <laughs> Especially, they played hooky from school a bunch. They both had suspensions and or expulsions from school on their record. But by the time Noel was 14, his mother gifted him a guitar. Nice. Uh, that, along with his teenage discovery of smoking weed, led to <laughs> Noel becoming a lot more of, in the words of Liam, quote, a bit of a stoner, a bit of a loner. <laughs> quote. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, honestly, that's when a lot of people first start playing music when you're an early mm-hmm. teenager. That's where you, about where you the get gifted right... your first instrument. Yeah. You know? Yep. Especially if you're learning a stringed instrument, you're kind of big enough now mm-hmm. to be able to play the real thing and not yep. need a, a miniaturized version. You know. Yeah, and... especially guitar. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Drum. I mean, drums too. Well, when um when I was teaching violin, at times I taught like five year olds, and they have itty bitty scaled down <laughs> yeah. violins. It's really kind of hilarious, and teeny tiny. <laughs> they're so they're so tiny. It's, it's kind of funny. It's like that, those are those are miniature pony hairs. Right, so. they are horse hairs. Yeah, right, the pony hair. Yeah. Uh, so Peggy described him as quiet, but only in the talking sense. Otherwise, he was constantly playing the guitar and writing songs to the point where she got incredibly annoyed and sick of hearing him play and would yell at him to stop. And at that point, he couldn't say, "Mom, I'm going to earn millions and millions of dollars doing this." Shut you up. You really can't. No. <laughs> You don't really have, you have no leverage. Yeah. To speak of. Liam, on the other hand, remained a bit more of a cut up. Though, here's the the thing that makes me more sympathetic to Liam. So we have, what made me more empathetic to Noel was that he was horribly abused Abused. by his father. Yeah. This makes me more empathetic to Liam. Uh, He tells this story in a very offhanded way. Um, that's that's received as a very, oh, that's an interesting story, but is actually a really disturbing story. When he was a kid, another child hit him on the head with a hammer. That's fucking... He said wow. blood went everywhere. Yeah, that, that Do you can, know what that's that called? Kill, a traumatic brain injury. Yeah, that could easily kill somebody. It, or turn them could into easily, a serial killer. Could easily kill an adult. Yes. Let alone a, a, yes. You know, a, so he a tween. Had, he had a traumatic brain injury. Yeah. I mean, sus- I would suspect. I guess I, I can't diagnose uh, well, it. Well, he but... definitely, uh, for sure, had at least a concussion. Mm. At the very least. Here's the best part. This doesn't seem to concern people either. He said that after he got hit on the, his head, quote, something clicked, end quote, and he started hearing music everywhere. That's yeah. That's a traumatic brain injury. Yes, that's not good. <laughs> that's not supposed to happen. It's not a positive. This is concerning. I mean, it's also like the eighties or whatever, but it's not, highly not, concerning. Not sure if the insurance company has a category for that one. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Jeez. But they probably do. Not in Manchester in like nineteen eighty or whatever. Yeah. But um. It's it's not it's not hugely surprising that nobody took it seriously at the time. But well, I mean, I, anyway, I, I I know for sure that I've had like a concussion, concussion, and certainly like a mild concussion. Mm-hmm. I know for sure I've had those two, and I've probably had other shit when I was like seven, eight, nine years old that you don't really remember because your head's kind of still rubberish. But did you get hit in the head by a hammer? No. That's <laughs> that's the difference. <laughs> that's what I'm see? saying. Well, and I got also, I got knocked out playing hockey two different times. And I, also, we're gonna see his subsequent behavior might at least partially be explained by the pe- fact that he had a traumatic brain, potentially had a traumatic brain injury. The guy's a little off. The guy's off. If you get hit in the head with a hammer at any age, it's yeah. yeah. You, that that's a traumatic brain injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I think there's a there are technical. Sure. But anyway. Um, Though they came to music at different times in very different ways, both Gallagher brothers developed their interest in music throughout their teens, though Liam's interest seems to have begun with being famous more than being a musician. 
They were getting interested in being musicians at a key time in the Manchester music scene that was dubbed Madchester in 1989. Have you ever heard of this? I had not. Uh, so it's like an indie rock movement I in was... that area at the time. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And some of the main bands known on the scene, you have to tell me if you recognize any of these, were the Stone Roses. Yes. The Happy Mondays. Nope. And the Charlatans. Uh, maybe. Uh, the Stone Roses were very, their debut album was, uh, I, well, that year, I can't remember the name of it, but that was a highly influential like debut album and they kind of fell apart after that. They had that one great indie album that everybody was talking about. Mm-hmm. You got to remember an indie album in 1989. Mm-hmm. What It's only getting word of mouth. Right. Mm-hmm. But it was a huge album. Well, you know, we, we've got multimedia presentations here, so we'll listen to this on my phone because <laughs> we're high tech. This is not the song I was thinking of. I mean, it's... This is 1989. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was, um, I Want to Be Adored by the Stone Roses. I mean, that's, uh... I mean, that's like a... It's, well, it's almost the... It's the beginning of, like, shoegaze. Like, they, they yeah. kind of, they're mm-hmm. in that category It's very emo, yes. in a way. Yep. This is, um, Cuff Dam by the Happy Mondays. I, I love the active bass. It is. You know what it reminds me of? Happy Mondays. Nobody's happy on a Monday. Fuck you. What was a rock the casbah? Rock the Casbah. Oh, the Clash. It's got that, yeah, it's yeah. got that voice sound. Sure. Well, these bands are all coming out in the late 80s, so yeah. they're all inspired by the Clash. Mm-hmm. And then this is, oh, I didn't put the charlatans on here, whatever. Anyway, that's what they were being, um... No, the, the Stone Roses still have a, a legacy. Like, they, people still are rediscovering their, well, or discovering for the first time, rather, their music. I want to say, like, recently in the last couple of years, they hit the uh, Billboard 200 charts. A lot recently? Of, yes, a lot of albums are doing that. Uh, Metallica, last year, the Black Album, uh, reached the top 10. What? 32 years after it had been released. Yes. So there's just, there's just like, a, um... There's 20-year-olds... What's old dis- is new again, Right, yeah. there's 20-year-olds discovering 90s music. Yeah, that's high school kids. Yeah. That's what it is. Um, another Madchester band and more key in this particular story were the Inspiral Carpets. Yes, I know them. Oh, yep. really? Yep. Okay. So this is... I watched a lot of... Uh, there was this show on MTV that was called 120 Minutes, which okay. was the indie version of Headbangers Ball, which was okay. the metal show. But I watched, right. I watched both. This yeah, has the longest fucking intro. Yeah, so. They were this, this kind of band. Yeah. This was at a time, though, like... And especially coming into the, intros. especially coming into the early to mid nineties, uh-huh. kind of by the mid nineties, like it was like anything goes. Like right. you just come up with something kind of original sounding. Jesus, I forgot it kicks in. Another active, active base. <laughs> anyway, that's, yeah, that was kind of that's kind of the uh, you know like the the calling card of this genre. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the 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 rhythm section is very active. They're not just you know. Yeah. 
So Noel met the guitarist of In Spiral Carpets, the very Britishly named Graham Lambert. <laughs> Grambert. Grambert. Or Lambert. So, so that's probably how he signs it, though. Grambert. Grambert. So we met him at a Stone Roses show. So both bands. Sure. Uh, Noel tried out to be the In Spiral Carpets' new lead vocalist, but he didn't get picked. So he became a roadie for them. Oh, okay. technically, he was a drum technician. Okay. Uh, and he started touring with them, traveling internationally. And it was an opportunity he didn't want to take for granted because in his incredibly British words, are you ready for this? Quote, I, I fucking blagged my way into it and I'm an absolute chancer. Quote, <laughs> I know what he was saying. Um, I wouldn't use those words According at all, to but... Urban Dictionary... A chancer is a scheming opportunist. Yeah, yeah. So. But yeah, I mean, he's, well, he's also looking at it like, you know, if one of these guys gets fucked up or fucks up, he was the drum tech, so he can play the drums, which I did not know. Well, he um, can test the drums at the very least. I, I don't true. know if he plays or not. But. but he can play guitar and he can mm-hmm. sing. So if they need somebody to fill in here and there, mm-hmm. he's made the right choice being like, well, hey. Well, as it turns out, he would have to fill in for a lead vocalist. A lot of times. Yes. <laughs> Except that was that was Liam. Yes. <laughs> anyway. So meanwhile, back in Manchester, so around 1991, Liam was making his own inroads in the group The Rain. Okay. He was friends with The Rain's bassist, Paul Gwigsy McGuigan, <laughs> <laughs> and guitarist Paul Bonehead, Arthur. I was just going to say Bonehead, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Who were impressed by his singing abilities, slag off corner, I guess the bar was low. <laughs> and his hammer-on-the-head musical epiphany. They're very impressed by that. I think I think Bonehead was the guy that started balding when he was 20, the mm-hmm. poor bastard. Yes, he, he was But it was bald. like, he looked like he was the oldest member of the band, and he was like one of the younger guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they invited him to join them, and drummer Tony McCarroll, who Bonehead called a massive stoner and the quiet one (laughs) in the rain on vocals which he accepted but insisted the band change their name because he hated the name the rain (laughs) he's not wrong it's not very good liam was inspired by an in spiral carpets poster noel had on the wall of their bedroom uh it showed the name of a venue in swindon in southwest england Called the Oasis Leisure Center or Leisure Center. Leisure. In a word, leisure. <laughs> What's that from? It's from, uh, oh man, the Scotland film. Braveheart. Uh, no, that's, that's a different Train Scotland. spotting. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the word leisure ever comes up in Braveheart. I'm sure it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Beheadings and like, you know, uh-huh. other things. You know, stoning people to death. (laughs) So he said it made sense to him because he thought the band was out on an island of its own. And so Oasis was born. So interestingly, Liam was in the band before Noel. Yeah. So on to the next. I mean, that just just builds into the, you know. The the lore of the. And the the tension. And the resentment. Yes. So (laughs) we're into the next section, which I'm calling Champagne Supernova or Champagne Supernova. Nover. Nover? Yes. <laughs> I believe it's I believe it is a Nover. Is a Nover. So even while Noel was off touring with Inspiral Carpets, Liam fully intended for Noel to join Oasis, 
But as their manager, when he got back home, he was like, oh, now you've got a lot of connections and stuff. You can help us out with that. So while he was on the road, Peggy had told Noel about his brother's new band. And as luck would have it, Noel was fired by Inspiral Carpets for being, quote, unprofessional, end quote, and, quote, somewhat unapproachable by various tour managers, end quote. So he's just a miserable asshole. Yeah. When he got back home to Manchester, his fellow Inspiral Carpets tech, Mark Coily Coyle, <laughs> Coyle, Coyle, Gwigsy, anyway, who had been fired earlier by the band, told Noel that Oasis was actually pretty good and that she should go check them out, so he did, at a local band night in August 1991. Noel agreed with Coily that they were good, and Oasis asked Noel if he would become their manager. Noel immediately refused, and eventually Liam invited Noel to sit in with them, which quickly turned into Noel joining the band on guitar and vocals. And so here is the original lineup of Oasis. As you're probably used to seeing them, and yeah, he is very yep. bald. <laughs> <laughs> Poor bastard. Like, yeah. I mean, they all look <laughs> British. Yes, they're very British. I mean, they do. Like, I, I kind of, this guy looks like, who was the guy in the British British office, the main character? Oh, Tim. Looks like it could be like his younger brother. Like Martin Freeman's. Yes. <laughs> he does he is a bit shorter than everyone yeah. too in that. But he's got like the same face. That's um that's Gwigsy. Gwigsy. Yep, that's uh McCarroll. Yeah. That's the drummer. Then Bonehead. Poor, poor Bonehead. <laughs> Noel Leo. He's got Gwigsy. like he's losing his hair and he's got the sunken eyes, so he looks like <laughs> He looks like a fucking zombie. <laughs> oh, 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 no. He looks... Oh, never mind. That's going to be mean. I think he's what, balding and he has sunken eyes. He kind of looks like he's ill, basically. Oh. Well... Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. Well, yeah, when you're 20. Lighthearted. Lighthearted. Okay. So, some sources say that at this point, Noel essentially took creative control over the band and insisted <laughs> yeah, that he course. be the only songwriter. I think think that he denies that that happened i think it's possible it yeah, did right. happen yeah. um very good but chance of that even from the beginning he completely had his eyes set on superstardom he said that he wanted oasis to displace the likes of phil collins and sting which is what he called quote mcdonald's music <laughs> <laughs> well you know what i mean this would have been about by the time oasis comes on the scene was about the end of phil collins mm-hmm. run Come to mm-hmm. think of it. But in the 80s, man, he was easily a, a top 10, if not a top 5, yep. like, played mm-hmm. on. I mean, Phil Collins' music was fucking everywhere in right. the 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, Liam, or no, Noel, this is Noel. Noel said, quote, I want the severed head of Phil Collins in my fridge, end quote. <laughs> <laughs> this well, is the type t- of shit they said. Bit, taking it a bit far. Yes. But, and what was the other band they, they were saying? Uh, that, Sting, that are the artist, yeah. And Sting, actually, he's had a one of those careers where he's yeah, up and down. He he's had he's some had some success in the 90s. Yes, and in the early 2000s, he <laughs> had a little bit of success. I don't think he has since the 2010s hit. Well, he's like 70. Yeah. But, yeah, but how many 70-year-olds are still on tour right now? But you know they're I mean? they're popular with the old set, right? But that's know. what I'm saying. Like he never got that. Yeah. Um. 
So a side note, there is a long and strange history of Noel publicly calling out Phil Collins specifically. <laughs> At one point, he called him and is quoted as calling him, quote, a fucking cunt. I was just going to say, is this, this going to involve the C word? It, I more than have, once. It's going to come up later. Didn't even have to ask. Yeah. Collins, for his part, called Oasis, quote, rude and not as talented as they think they are. And, quote, I, I do agree with Phil Collins. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a, I don't know anything about Great call, Phil, Phil, so I can't say anything about Noel's comments. Uh huh. But Phil's comments are accurate. They are accurate. <laughs> so in 1992, Noel wrote what the band considers to be their game-changing song. Any guesses? Uh. So early, early. Is, song was it a? Uh, they had a couple early. Is it Supersonic? That is one of their earlier ones, but but no, it is. Oh. um... I love that intro. Uh, what is the name of the song? Name that too. I can sing it. Maybe. Don't really want to know. Why, why is the chorus? Because like, like, uh. <laughs> This is one of their first songs. Ever. This is a great song. One of my favorite solos ever in this song. What is the name of the song? Live yes. Forever. Yes. Forever. It's a great song. And it, that guitar solo is fantastic in that song. It's a great song. But I contend that he wrote it approximately 29 times. All their songs are that song. <laughs> yeah, but we'll, that, we'll was like one of, that was like one <laughs> of the first. <laughs> it was the first. It was oh, the, the first. first. Okay. This was a song that Noel wrote that he's like, this is different than what I've been writing. But then he just kept doing it. Supersonic was the first song that, I believe that was the first single they ever released. Well, but, that, but you'll probably get into that. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, so in the um, Oasis documentary, there's a demo version of the song that's a lot more stripped back and acoustic if you want to hear that. I'm sure it's on YouTube or whatever, too. And I actually, I actually prefer that version of it. Um, and Noel said that once he wrote Live Forever, he was able to really key in on his like songwriting voice which makes sense because it all sounds like that song so the band he's like i keyed into it and then it never left it never left the band had to continue grinding it out for a bit because they were not getting much attention uh songwriting epiphany or no and it wasn't until 1993 that an old connection helped them out along with a new connection debbie turner of the band sister lovers so Debbie was an ex-girl. I know Debbie was an ex-girlfriend of Alan McGee, a Scottish uh, a man who was a like a music multi-hyphenate. He was the founder of Creation Records, which was what they get signed to. Spoiler alert: He was a manager, a musician, and he helped break acts including the Jesus and Mary Chain, mm-hmm. My Bloody Valentine, and oh, Primal yeah. Scream. My bloody, my bloody Valentine um, probably has like the biggest shoegaze album ever. Loveless, which came out in hmm. either 89 or 90. Oh, okay. Fucking great album. Hmm. You, you like emo stuff, though. This is, no, it's, it's shoegaze is not emo. It's, it's not. It's, it's different. in it's the different. spirit. It's in, it's in the ballpark. Yes. It's not necessarily in the spirit. Moody motherfuckers. I yeah. like my music jubilant. Yeah, well, me too. Like That's why I listen to metal as well. <laughs> it's <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I'm on a spectrum. <laughs> I gotcha. A dude bro spectrum. <laughs> 
So at this point, Sister Lovers and Oasis were like on the same scene. They were not popular anywhere outside of Manchester, but right. had local success. Sure. But Sister Lovers had managed to score a gig in Glasgow at, and I'm so disappointed I hadn't heard of this before I went to Glasgow, or I would have visited it, because it's still there. King Tut's Wawa Hut. <laughs> <laughs> so she invited Oasis to come along. Of course they did. Um, now, Oasis wasn't on the bill. They were not going to be allowed to perform, except Sister Lovers agreed to shorten their set so that Oasis could do a few songs, which is know, highly generous. And unheard of. I know, like, right? Completely. Mm-hmm. Now, unbeknownst to Debbie, Alan attended the gig in a truly asshole move to rattle her performance by showing up unannounced. Like, that is a true uh, yeah. dick move. Yeah. Um, of course, as a result, Alan heard Oasis play. He was impressed, and his impression was assisted by the fact that Mark Coyle, Coyley, had also attended the gig, and he, like, chatted up Oasis to Alan and then introduced him to them um, in their dressing room. And a few months later, Alan signed Oasis to Creation Records, giving them their big break. So Oasis's first album, Definitely Maybe, Mm -hmm. was released in 1994. So despite Live Forever being Noel's personal breakthrough uh, song, it wasn't the first single released from the album. You are correct. It was. This is the first song of theirs I ever heard. Again, like... All these long fucking intros. I love a good guitar riff, though. Here we go. But the, the, the intro is part of the, that's how, their style. You just skipped over like the best part. Well, you did. I wanted to get to the singing part. See, here's what can I can I contextualize these songs when they're coming out? Sure. So here's here's what had just happened in 1994. Mm-hmm. Like, pretty much the person that's responsible for all these alternative bands breaking through mm-hmm. committed suicide. Completed, completed suicide, suicide. or killed himself. That's right. Um, so, and you can, looking back on the 90s, you can see, like, the, the reverberation of where the music went after that. Because music for about a year was kind of like, or not even a year, maybe six months, was kind of depressing and then after that, can, can oh, we yeah, pause this because sure, we're yes. gonna get to that? Okay. Yep, we're gonna we're gonna get to that very very soon. Yeah. And then I want to hear the rest gotcha. of that. Yes. Noel wrote Supersonic um, in like a panic after the band struggled to lay down a good recording of Bring It On Down. Well, don't know that uh, uh, yeah, I don't know it either because uh, Tony the Stoner drummer couldn't play in time properly. <laughs> And here's another... That happens with stoner drummers. (laughs) It it does. Uh, Here's another portion of Slag Off Corner. Uh, I think the song sounds like it was written in a rush. Um, Namely, may I quote to you part of the lyrics? I'm feeling supersonic. Give me gin Gin and tonic. tonic. What the fuck? You can have it all, but how much do you want it? He's just rhyming. He's fucking rhyming. I got her rhyming. autograph. <laughs> See? It's stream of consciousness rhyming. Which, look, that's a legitimate way to write a song, yeah. lyric. I'm not going to knock yeah, it. Yeah, the song doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Like it's, and it yeah. sounds like he wrote it yeah. in 20 minutes, so that's all. <clears throat> but the riff is really good. <clears throat> it's a catchy riff. Mm, I gotcha. Uh, the second single 
off that album. Any guesses? Uh, well, it would have been Live Forever, probably. No. No? No, it was Shaker Maker. Don't know. Well, I remember that song, but... So, we're gonna, we're really? gonna play a little bit, because we're gonna compare it to something else. I didn't so. hear that song until I got the album. Okay. But yeah, that was the second single. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. This is Stoner Ross. Yes, it is. Also an album that helped me uh, play the drums. It's very easy to play, but you can make some, you know, heavy sounds playing with somebody who's playing guitar, and, you know, to uh, me it sounds good. The, um, the band had to pay out half a million dollars in lawsuits from that, um, that song. You know why? Hmm. I'd like to Yeah, it sounds exact. <laughs> Noel fucking lifted the melody from a Coke commercial. Nice. That's a famous Coke commercial jingle. Way to go, Noel. Yeah. Well done. Hey, only five hundred grand. You know, you gotta. Sometimes you gotta pay out. That song made him make more money than that. Uh, yes, I'm sure they they netted positive, but still. Ah, uh, and and yes, in this instant, Oasis is the last ridiculous version of the, of the song. <laughs> granted, but. Uh, Live Forever. Man, I haven't, haven't heard that song in a while. Live Forever was released as the third single. Okay. So. That was the song that made me buy the album. I was okay. Like, I was like, okay. I was like, this song is really good too. I think I like this song better. Hmm. This is probably my favorite Oasis song. Live Forever? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Uh, definitely Maybe was definitely a hit. It, it was fucking huge. Debuted at number one on the British music charts. Debut album yes. number one, right? Critics called out its, quote, fearless optimism, end quote, when compared to the music coming out of America at the time, which, of course, was grunge, which brings up an interesting point as to maybe why Oasis was so well-received. Now, would you like to continue your discussion? Yeah, I mean, that was definitely part of it. I mean, they, they just came along at the right time. I mean... Mm -hmm. I mean yes, I, I agree with that. The, you know, the famous quote about art, you know, and art timing is everything. Mm. I mean, Nirvana was like that. If, mm -hmm. I mean, Nirvana's first album came out in 1989. Nobody heard it. Mm -hmm. They were still like a local, they were like a scene band. Uh -huh. 1991, they put out, okay, this is our next album. And it fucking blows through the atmosphere because it was something different. Mm -hmm. You know, this is kind of that turning point. So you've got Oasis coming on the scene. You've got Bush coming on the scene. You've got... Famously You've feuding. got Poppy. Yeah. You've got... This era is now known as post-grunge. Okay. But it was like a poppy version of grunge. Is That's what's coming on the scene. Mm -hmm. In the mid-90s, in the late-90s, pop music completely takes over. With like Britney Spears right. and all the boy mm -hmm. bands and stuff like So everything's... Kurt Cobain did what mm -hmm. he did. The music industry was in the place that it was. And it... And also culturally, too. Like the those early Gen X bands, you know, if you were a college graduate in 1991, yeah, you probably did go and work at McDonald's. Mm -hmm. I mean, your student loan wasn't nearly as what it is now, yeah. mm -hmm. but there was a downturn in the economy. The other thing, too, yeah. is by the, by the mid to late 90s, especially in the late 90s, mm -hmm. the economy had completely done a 180. Right. And people were making a fucking killing. Mm -hmm. And I experienced that, too. Yeah. I mean, really. And I'm not talking, like, bullshit. Like, it's just, mm -hmm. like, I was a fan of, like, Bill... No, statistically, right. Right. that is one of the biggest, like, economic swings in a mm -hmm. decade that we've ever experienced. Mm -hmm. 
You know, it was like back to like the 1950s almost, mm-hmm. like post World War II era. So yeah, and that ha- <clears throat> obviously that has an effect on the music. The music sure. got happier and poppier because mm-hmm. now I can go and buy the CD. Right. Like I don't have to Take try and download radio. it. But but you couldn't try and download it because that no, wasn't a thing yet. You had to tape it off, it off the radio. radio. Yeah. <laughs> Which I did. Yeah. I used uh-huh. to I used to tape off the t- television. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yep. there are many cassette tapes somewhere in somebody's house at this point or at a garage sale that has like <laughs> endless loops of headbangers ball and cassette tapes. <laughs> well, and also I remember in music history class in, in college, um, I had a professor who talked about the Apollonian and Dionysian um, cycles of music, which basically yeah. boils down to... <laughs> it was all experienced within one decade. Well, like music, those... the idea being that music is just, popular music is just a constant stream of reaction. Sure, absolutely. Right? Every, it, it, every genre like, is reacting to the next. Right, and it's like, what is style. influencing what? Exactly. It's like, but they're mm-hmm. intertwined. They're influencing each other at all times. You know, yeah. Art and culture, and it's all the same thing. Music. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, this was... I'm becoming an adult and all this shit is going Right, on. sure. Uh-huh. So, yeah, it was a... F- late 90s was a fun time. <laughs> for, for some people. Yes, not for To everybody. be clear. It was a fun time for me, I can tell you that. And and you were, let's see, a tw- young 20s white man. Yeah, that sounds about... Cis straight white man. Hey, yep, sounds about right. I was from upstate New York, almost Canada, living in Confederate territory. I had I had other issues. Sure. We feel so bad for you. Hey, mm-hmm. They felt sorry. <laughs> they felt so sorry. Sorry. Hope tomorrow's better. So, Oasis wasn't just a critical success. The fans very quickly followed, mm-hmm. leading to an international tour that, while commercially successful, showed exactly how flawed the Gallagher brothers and their bandmates were. This is the other thing, too. Like, the grunge scene was, like, anti-rock star. And now all of a sudden it's like, no, we kind of want rock stars again. Right. And they were, mm-hmm. you know, and, and new metal follows this where, right. you know, it's all about being a rock star. You know? Yeah. They literally destroyed hotel rooms along the way <laughs> yeah. for no discernible reason. Yeah. The, the shit, you just couldn't do it today. No. You just couldn't. No. In Bonehead's words, quote, I do remember one hotel, the whole bedroom went out of the window. Mattress, pillows, everything. <laughs> if it moves fling it (laughs) in liam's words quote you can't ask a 21 year old lad to be professional it's like i don't even understand that word what do you want about (laughs) yeah that makes sense i experienced that at the what do you know at the same age this is this is more slag off corner because there is nothing more fucking obnoxious in this world than like 21 year old white <laughs> yeah i mean i i mean looking back on it for they're sure. horrible yeah all due respect to any 21 year old white man who might be might be listening i'm sure you're the exception they, they, friend, i think but... they got a little bit more sensitive over the years but yeah this was not one of those years like <laughs> they they didn't even the problem with the i was an asshole when i was 21 and i wasn't even an asshole you know what i mean <laughs> yes like i was like several tiers below like the actual asshole the potential yeah. for assholery yeah. yes so i was just like a normal 21 year old just, right just kind of the an baseline asshole. is asshole yeah it gets worse from there <laughs> yeah. so they didn't the problem with oasis is they didn't even have the old oh sure we'll party but when I, we get on stage we'll turn it on and i'm not even bullshitting 
like, and me and my friends have talked about this and growing up in this time, because I made very close friends at this time, we lived together. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about it every now and then, like, like with new artists and stuff coming up, like, man, could you imagine, like, back in the day when we lived in Greenville, like, if we had had, like, access to millions of dollars, we were all like, right. we're all like, yeah, we'd all be dead. Yeah. Or mm -hmm. in jail. Mm -hmm. Like, one or the other. Yeah. <laughs> like, Pretty much. And it's the, the shit we did with, like, no money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. So, 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 yeah, they didn't even, like, were total wrecks off stage, but were pros on stage. No, they were twats. No, they were, yeah. They were absolute twats. Showing up late and all they that. They couldn't yeah. even do their job reliably. Nope. They, so here's... They a, became notorious for that. Yes, uh, and one famous story... They was a gig at the Whiskey A Go Go in oh, LA. Oh sure. Yep. Um, they did literal crystal meth. No joke. They <laughs> snorted crystal meth. Yeah. And flubbed rock, rock their on. way through the gig at the Whiskey A Go Go. How bad was it? <laughs> <laughs> so bad that they fucked up their opening song, Rock and Roll Star, a really fucking basic song. <laughs> yeah, it is. Song. It is very basic. They did it so badly. That they were like, stop, we're going to do it again. Like, literally, they, they redid it. Tonight, uh, I'm, I'm a rock and roll star. Uh, take my car and I'll drive real far. far. We're not concerned about, about the way we are. Brilliant songwriting, Noel. You didn't have that one queued up. I didn't. <laughs> Our version was better. Yes. <laughs> Just wait till you till wait till you get to Wonderwall. I'll happily you, you you love my version of Wonderwall. I don't. I know you don't. Uh so um, how bad was it? It was so bad. Liam snorted lines of meth on stage during the performance. Oh well, yeah. It was so bad. Liam started Live Forever with the line. Maybe I don't really want to know why you pick your nose. <laughs> it was so bad. Liam hit Noel on the head with a tambourine. <laughs> like, that's the shit these idiots they're fucking, are pulling. They're, they're just children. They are children. They really are children. Um, Noel huffed off. He huffed like, off. just huffed off, huffed off the stage like Jesse huffs off sometimes. <laughs> yes. Except he's a cat and this is a human. Uh, allegedly adult human. You're using my microphone. At this point, Noel is like 28, 29 years yeah. old. Yeah, yeah. This is not the behavior of an almost 30-year-old. Anyway, he he huffed off the stage and went missing. No joke. <laughs> the band could not find him for several days. Oh, I was gonna say that's happened to a friend of mine, but it was several hours, not days. No, it was thankfully. it was it was days. He had <laughs> he flew to San Francisco oh. to meet up with a fan that he met when he gigged there. Sure. The band like briefly thought, okay, this is all over, and then Noel came back, but they did they canceled gigs. They were just right little shits, is yeah. what they were. Oh, yeah. But they had the buy-in of the music industry and their fans. Mark Coyle said, and a really interesting thing I think exemplifies this attitude, quote, No, I didn't understand what feeling supersonic meant, but I'm with you. Whatever it is, I'd die for you right now. End quote. Yeah, like, I mean it. I do not know what inspired that loyalty. <laughs> I would not have been one of those people. I think, but I don't know. Anyway, so since breaking through as a band did not help their personalities any, oh, it's no surprise that it didn't help Nolan Liam's relationship either. 
Their bickering was anything but private, with them being quoted during interviews, frequently telling each other to, quote, shut the fuck up. (laughs) The number of names they've called each other um, on film, audio, or directly quoted in the press is incalculable. In their first... (laughs) And it's also, like, incalculable because... You couldn't understand them anyway. So he could have been calling them names the whole time. Right. In their first, first TV interview together, they were asked what sort of things they fight about. And Liam said, quote, everything, everything. (laughs) And whether it was initially true or not, Oasis's direction seems to have been at some point overtaken completely by Noel who viewed himself as the sun around which the other members revolved, which never sat well with Liam, making him constantly vying to dethrone his brother. Liam said that at one point, and the time is undetermined, though I got the impression it was maybe when they were kids, I'm not sure, he literally peed all over Noel's stereo system. <laughs> I think I that's that the story. level of maturity <laughs> yeah. we're dealing with. It. I believe he pissed on his amp, is what he pissed on. He said stereo in the oh, documentary, okay. but... Oh, okay. Um, either either way. (laughs) Yeah. At one point, Noel said, quote, Liam clearly would have liked to have had my talent as a songwriter. And there's not a day that goes by when I don't wish I could rock a parka like that man. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly taking a piss at his brother. So this is the kind of stuff that these two have gone back and forth on literally their entire lives. Yeah. Including, including this decade, which we'll get to. Yeah. And now it was being amplified by the fame they were achieving. So this next section I'm calling Wonderwall. (laughs) So as they started working on their second album, Oasis dropped their drummer, Tony McCarroll, for the longstanding perceived performance issues. Noel said, (laughs) quote, I put this quote in here for you. Drummers are really smelly, useless, talentless losers, man. I mean, he's not completely wrong. Not always wrong, but anyway. Yeah. He was replaced by Alan White. Uh, <laughs> while recording the second album, there was plenty of static between Noel and Liam because every time Liam would sit to record his guitar parts, or sorry, Noel would sit to record his guitar parts, Liam would get bored and leave. He'd like go to the local pub and sometimes he'd just bring randos back to the studio with him. Which irritated Noel to no end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At one point, someone like started using the fire extinguisher in the studio, oh, and yeah. it damaged one of Noel's guitars, resulting in what Noel described what, as their worst doing, fight twat? ever. <laughs> so who throws a shoe? Honestly, who throws a shoe? <laughs> What's that from? <laughs> it's from an actual interview. Oh. <laughs> I, was, I was saying who. That's throw- right, because saying- their fans would throw <laughs> shit at them. Yeah. Saying who throws a shoe? <laughs> who throws a shoe? So, remember, we already have one suspected traumatic brain injury for Liam. <laughs> yeah. Well, guess what? Guess what happened? Noel hit Liam in the head with a cricket bat. Oh. Breaking the cricket bat. Damn. Those things are fucking thick. Yeah. So, potentially, <laughs> this man has had two traumatic brain injuries. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. From, being, from having a cricket bat broken over yeah. his head, for sure. And a hammer. Yeah. Yeah. So, eventually, the entire studio was destroyed. And new to the band, Alan, Alan White, the new drummer, was afraid, like, okay, this is the end of the band. Like, clearly, we're not coming back from this. And everyone else was like, no, this is normal. This is like Tuesday. (laughs) Yep, this is Monday. 
We haven't even had tea yet. Yeah. They're going to have... They're, like, this, <laughs> we'll go through this again before we even have tea. Yes. In the end, it wasn't Alan who ended up leaving the band, but Gwixi, the bass player. He basically had like a bit of a breakdown, which in this environment I don't think is unwarranted. No. He ended up coming back, so it was a little bit more of a sabbatical. Um, and I'm putting this in here for me. Uh, Liam's <laughs> quote about bass players, quote... Can't wait for this one. Any kind of chaos going on around, he would shut down. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> bass players are like that. End quote. <laughs> No, I've, I've seen you go through chaos. You don't shut down. Mm-mm. What do I do in band chaos? Oh, in band chaos, like, yeah, things happen. <laughs> I'm not going to quote what, but I've seen <laughs> things. I've seen things. That sounds worse. <laughs> it, involves a, it involves a salsa train. <laughs> it does. It's a... Inside reference. Everybody, yes, yes, it does. <laughs> the story is not interesting, as interesting as it sounds. But... I'm not talking about the dance movie either. I'm talking about... <laughs> I know that. No, you do, but there are audiences. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. <laughs> At least we can look back on it and laugh. <laughs> yes, we can. So despite the absolute chaos of recording it, the band's second album... What was it? Okay. <laughs> You're just still laughing about this whole situation. Yes, I am. Their second album was, uh, what's the story? In parentheses, Morning Glory. Question mark. You got it. Oh, I forgot about the question mark. <laughs> uh, so they, they recorded the album, and it resulted in some of Oasis' best-known songs, including Don't Look Back in Anger, um, uh, Champagne Supernova, and possibly their most famous song... Which I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and play it, and then I'll do my version. <laughs> very famous. Very famous. Very famous guitar part. Yes. Anybody that has an acoustic guitar has yes. played this at least once. Yes. Oh. See, fucking long intros, dude. <laughs> you do not have to do See, it twice. You just skip this one, and you skip, you skip the good one. Today is gonna be the day when it's gonna come back to you. By now, you should have somehow realized what you gotta do. I don't believe that anybody feels the way I do about you now. And he just stops. But we have to get to, of course, we have to get to the chorus. All the longing of the world reminding I don't even know the words. That's actually the second uh, The whole of England does. That's the second chorus for Dave. Would like to say to you, but I don't know how. Okay, we're getting to it. Maybe. <laughs> what before, before we're sued by Oasis? Yeah, I mean they might. <laughs> For besmirching their song. <laughs> We've played like a minute of their stuff so far. I I think I could be wrong, but I feel like Wonderwall is their most famous song. Probably. Yeah. I, I I would agree with that. <clears throat> and it's just That's their biggest hit. I what think. gets me is just that nasally maybe. <laughs> it's like a foghorn, like a weird well, also, nasally foghorn. I don't get it. Also, but. with their first album, like it made. 
you know, it made headway in America, but it wasn't huge. It was, mm-hmm. they were still kind of... They were enormous in Britain. Yes, already, from the get-go. Mm-hmm. But in America, that first album was kind of like, oh, like, I was it like... It was a cool new band or something. Right, I was like one of the people who was like, oh, this is sounds different, uh-huh. you know? Um, but yes, when that song came out and that album came out, they went fucking huge, huge in <laughs> North America. Yeah, yeah. And I actually would say, when looking at all of their songs, which are all the same song, if, to pick out my favorite. <laughs> no, of their, a lot of them are actually, I mean, a lot of their, on their first two albums. Their hits some of their, are all the same. Yeah, that's, that's fair. On their first two albums, some of their deeper tracks, and especially on their third album, which they hate, which I kind of like. Um, yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> um, they've got, no, they've got some different sounding shit, but they never released those songs as singles. Their singles are very poppy. Yeah. But of all their hits, I I think my favorite is actually Champagne Super, Supernova. I mean, that's that's up there. That's probably a top five for me, I would say. But yeah, the more I think about it, because I was, I was thinking about it, I was like, is Live Forever my favorite? I'm like, yeah, I think it is. Okay. Yeah, it is my favorite Oasis song. But Champagne Supernova, another great, <laughs> that has a long outro. Yeah. <laughs> and that's also um, the champagne supernova no in the sky. <laughs> but I, you know what I like? I think I like... So here's what I noticed about... Like I said, said they're, all their hits, their singles, their hits, are really similar. What I think they are is they're very sing-songy. Incredibly sure. sing-songy, oh, yeah, which is a hallmark. That in their third album, yeah, <laughs> which is a hallmark of a good pop song. You want it to be catchy, right? But if you think, if you strip down like some of their melodies, um, da 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 da. What starts happening? What starts happening with this album is their songs start to get a little longer, and it's like. Like you could, it's these like are you, three minute pop it's songs. It's like you can trim, <laughs> yeah. right? It's like you can trim a good minute, mm-hmm. probably more, you mm-hmm. know. But yet, I think that that's that's my beef with them is they're they're kind of simplistic. Yeah, there's there's nothing. I, yeah, there's nothing genius about them. And they're, I mean, they're. You know what you know. I think maybe too it gets me is like being someone who was raised in the church. They're a little Christian contemporary in their melodies because the idea of writing a good praise and worship song is that it needs to be very easily sung and very sure. catchy. Because you yeah, want the chorus a, has to be right. You yeah, want a whole congregation of people to, to sing. Right. In fact, some of the worst praise and worship songs are the ones where people tried to get clever. It's like <laughs> sure, why are you doing? It's like, it's like there's no flow. But if you think about it. Um, like, someday you will find me up against the wall. It, it might as well be, Jesus, you're my savior and my bestest friend. But as long as you, you stick know? to that, as yeah. long as you stick to that rhythm. It's, it's just that, I don't know, yeah. it's, it's really simplistic anyway. I don't, yeah. I don't know. But. But that's, but I mean, Nirvana did the same thing. I mean, that's what Dave Grohl talks about, like. Like Kurt Cobain was into writing, like he's like, let's make them like like kids songs, like easy to. Their you know. their harmonies were a little more interesting. Sure. Their their chord structure was a little more interesting. Also, as disaffected as Kurt Cobain was, there's something in, in his voice that completely, um, like conveys angst. Sure. So his voice is compelling, even though it mm-hmm. is, he's, it's uh, like. I mean, all you, all you need to do is listen to Where Did You Sleep Last Night from their Unplugged. Well, and... but, but his, 
his great like vocal performance. He had a weird like he had a rasp to his voice. Well, but he had like a weird um I'm so happy. You know, like this this kind of nah, nah, but, but it was, was deliberate. A bit of a smart ass. It was deliberate, right? Yes. Yeah, he, he was like trying it like yeah. it was deliberate. I don't think Liam's doing it. No, he's not. No, I think he's, he's just trying as nasally. Yeah. But, the producer was like, it doesn't matter. We're going to package this up. But yeah. We'll fix all this in post. Right. <laughs> so to say that What's the Story Morning Glory was a commercial success is an incredible understatement. Yeah, it spent it 10 weeks at number one on the UK charts. It sold just shy of 5 million copies and remains the fifth best-selling album in the history of the United Kingdom. Yeah, that's not surprising. Uh, for funsies, do you want to guess any of the other four was, of the top five? That just making me think of that. So a Beatles album has got to be number one. I'm going to yep. guess Revolver. Sgt. Pepper. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, two greatest hits albums. Who are two bands who are huge in the UK who would have greatest hits It's got to be The Who. No. No? The, no, not the Eagles. We're not What's UK another anymore. band that hit in the UK oh, gigantically before they ever came anywhere near to America and never really hit it big in America like they did in the UK? I, who are these bands? Oh, Queen? Yes. Oh, okay. Queen's Greatest Hits is the best, single really? best selling album in the United Kingdom's history. No yeah. shit. Second is Gold Greatest Hits by ABBA. <laughs> Remember my uh, woodshop teacher used to put on Queen's Greatest Hits. He had the cassette. Those, th- those were huge albums yeah. when they came out. And then um, 21 by Adele. It was the fourth oh, best. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, yeah. So, she's, she's British. She's, she is British. Yeah, Ever listen to her talk? She's British. So the album led to some of Oasis's biggest gigs. In sure. November 1995, they played two nights in a row at Earl's Court in London to estimated crowds of 40,000 or more each night. At, and at the time, the biggest they were the biggest indoor gigs ever performed in Europe. In April 1996, they played back-to-back days at Main Road Football Stadium, home to Manchester Football Club. Manchester sure. City, sorry. Not United not City. Nope. Um, and that was back in their hometown, too. And then in August at Balak Country Park in Loch Lomond, Scotland, to 80,000 people each of two nights... But yeah, a, I think that was like the concert that was like basically out in a field somewhere. No, this no? is. Oh, the, okay. A week later, they played the Nebworth Festival That's in it. England. Yep. Again, two nights in a row to an estimated 125,000 people yeah. each night. I've seen that. Um, this is Liam and the crowd. People probably have that channel or had it. I don't know if it's still a channel, but Palladium. Do you remember mm, that? Do you know what that was? I've heard is? of it. I don't think I ever watched it. It was either. basically a music channel that was all live music. Oh, okay. All live shows. Mm-hmm. And I saw this on that channel. It was like a two-hour show. I wish... This this is not going to come out well on an audio medium, but what lead singer am I? <laughs> you are Liam. I am Gallagher. Liam. He just kept holding his... He was. He appeared a little St- self-conscious in, yes. in front of the mic. Mostly stood still. Or played the goddamn tambourine. There's a lot of tambourine in there. <laughs> the god songs. tambourine damn. <laughs> the goddamn tambourine. I like that better. The goddamn tambourine. Goddamn tambourine. Goddamn tambourine. <laughs> Dan Marino. Yes. The band would later reflect on the Nebworth performances as the career high for the band and even agree that that should have been the end of the band as everyone in retrospect felt that the wheels were really starting to fall off the bus at that point. In Noel's words, quote, we should have disappeared into a puff of smoke, end quote. Never going to happen, though. No, because no, of course not. 
you're coming off that gig and everybody around you, including yourself, is going to be like, we're going to make a fuck ton of money for, Mon- like... Money, absolutely. But then also, like, lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not, you know, as much as I've dogged still their kids. music, yeah. they're still creative people who want to perform, sure. you know? And if you... If you get, you know, a lot of people, if you're not a performer, the idea of standing up in front of who knows how many people is really terrifying, right? Sure. But if you are a performer, it turns from terrifying to like really charging. Gratifying. Yes. And it can be a really fun experience. I've seen you play in front of a couple thousand people. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's, especially when you have a receptive audience, which of course mm-hmm. they absolutely yeah. did. They're literally, it's pretty cool. Literally all showing up just for them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's hard to walk away from. Yeah, that that's like often referred to as like the UK's Woodstock. Is that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because they, they just, yeah. legend has it, they were just driving by this field and they're like, there. Like, that's gotta, not what happened. I understand. Yeah. But that's like the, <laughs> but that's like the, that's the, the, the lore. Yeah. We'll put it that way. No, because it was a music festival. It wasn't Correct. just them. But no. anyway. Um, it was a huge show. Like, almost three million people in the United Kingdom, which is a much smaller country yes. than the United States, that's like, like a, put in, like put, went into a lottery <laughs> to get tickets to, for yeah. them to see them, yeah. so... They played to a quarter million people mm-hmm. over two nights, you know? Those are queen numbers, Queen could pull that size, you know, at Wembley, that size, a size of a crowd, but, um, but yeah. And Noel also, like, I think it was Noel in the documentary, likened it to, like, um, he was like, that was the last gigantic festival before the internet, was sort of his way. Okay. I mean, the internet was around, it for was. sure, but <clears throat> it, was, it was an interesting perspective. But pretty much everyone agrees that this was the pinnacle of Oasis's popularity and quality around this era, 1996. Prior to Nebworth, the band played in Ireland in March of 96, and family tensions surfaced again, but this time it was not between Noel and Liam. It was Thomas Gallagher who entered the picture. Oh. So after a gig, the band went to a pub and the, the gig that they played, they said it was almost like a little bit of a homecoming, like Ireland embraced them as, you know, your parents are Irish, mm-hmm. your Gallaghers, your, your well, they, our they people. Are, they, are, they are Irish. Right. They're Irish-British, I guess. Right. They're, they're first-generation British, the, the kids. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, security was kind of relatively lax for them, you know, for the, for how big they were at the time. And they were just kind of around average people in a casual environment. And they spotted Thomas there at the pub. And Liam basically was like, I am going to go kill him. Like, like literally said he was about to go kill his father. And according to everyone else, Noel was the only one who was actually able to calm him down and get him out of there. Yeah. Uh, Thomas, for his part is a piece of shit if he's still alive or was a piece of shit if he's Mm -hmm. dead. He was, this is, this is the really shit part. We know he's an abuser, first of all, but, um, he was also an opportunist. He started selling, selling a sob story to the tabloids, the British tabloids, which are vicious. Yeah. He's already a piece of shit. So of course he's Uh going to do that. Might as well make a buck off of abusing your children. So he was just like, oh, I just wanted to reconcile with them, you know, whatever. 
then Thomas called Liam at the hotel they were staying at and said that he had tried to get tickets to the concert but couldn't. And Liam told him, quote, if I catch you walking around the lobby of this hotel, you're going to get your fucking, your legs fucking broke, right? End quote. Um, now, there was a recording of this conversation. Why do you think there was a recording of this conversation? Who do you think was recording it? I'm going to guess the dad Fucking was. Thomas, yeah. yeah. So he sold the recording. Sure. I, yeah, I think I remember this. To too. the news of the world. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And they set up like a 1-900 type <laughs> yeah. of hotline where to charge people to listen to the recording. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, there's no depths to which this mm-hmm. man will not stay. It actually, and I believe it was a... Uh, it wasn't this, but it was a fight that somebody recorded, like a verbal fight between, mm. which I think became physical, between the two brothers, yeah. charted, like, in the UK. <laughs> as a charter. As, like, <laughs> yes, as, as a single. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. That's how big this band was. They, they were huge. As a fight between the two brothers, a verbal fight, what made the top 40. Man. Unfortunately for the brothers, any solidarity they fostered against their father was quite short-lived and soon would come one of the most notorious and hilarious examples of the absolute pettiness to which the brothers Gallagher would stoop with each other. Are we we talking about unplugged? Yes. (laughs) So Liam started having a reputation for walking off the stage in the middle of gigs. Like literally just walking off the stage. And so Noel would take over lead vocals which he found, hey, I actually kind of like this. Mm-hmm. He's like, I might as well take this over too. Right? Liam massively resented this <laughs> no because way. as a vocalist, no. he can only do one thing. Yeah. Well, and tambourine, sure. Yeah, sure, you can play tambourine too. Uh, <laughs> and each brother had plenty to say about each other in the press per usual. Now, I will say, talk. let's talk vocalist for a second. I think Noel has the technically better voice. Oh, for sure. But I think Liam has the more interesting voice. Noel is kind well, of a bland voice. Well, Noel is, uh, like, you've heard that voice before, kind of. Like, it, it just kind of... Yeah. You know, it's, it's nothing... Again, we'll, it's nothing we'll special. Play, we'll play a little bit of it but, later. But yeah, the, it's, it's kind of not special. But the right? Liam, like, the, the frequency is like... I haven't, I haven't necessarily heard that before. As much as I mock his... Uh, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's a it's a hallmark, right? It's sure. a it's a signature. It's, it is. It is interesting. Sure. Noel's a lot more like forgettable. Ba- basic is the wrong word. He's very like he has a good singing voice. Neither of them are brilliant. No. Neither of them are brilliant. But compared um, to but as neither far of as, them emote brilliantly. As far as a singing voice, like if you hear Noel and Liam, mm-hmm. people are gonna be like, I like Noel better because mm-hmm. he has a softer more easier well it's interesting i i would actually say as much as i mock him i actually prefer liam's voice i find it more interesting but so having just come off the high (laughs) and that's the the oasis voices (laughs) the the, oh voices voices um so they had just come off the nebworth festival and uh on august 23rd they performed on mtv's unplugged now Leading up to it, they, like, right after Nebworth, they went into rehearsals for the gig for two solid weeks. Like, they were prepping for this. Because this was a, well, you can probably speak to this, the popularity and importance of MTV Unplugged. 
This is when it's starting to wane a little bit. Huh. Okay. Uh, it's it's peak was definitely looking back like uh, like probably like ninety one to ninety three ninety four. The Nirvana like unplugged was big. Was yeah. ninety four and that was probably that was so good it was kind of like well, Alice in Chains did one after that too and which was also good but this is when it's starting to become like everybody's done an unplugged. But it's still a cachet it thing, is, right? Oh, big time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So. The first thing you notice is... No, we're not... Oh, we're I'm not sorry. To it yet. Oh, I'm no, sorry. no, no, no. Okay. We haven't made it through rehearsals yet. <laughs> so, Liam... But, so, yes, yeah, so we were just talking about the cachet of Unplugged. Yeah, that's, that's what I... It's still big. Right. It's starting to wane. But it's still but, important to do. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is like a Oasis at this time. They're still trying to prove themselves in North America. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the ways to do it. <clears throat> yep. So, Leah... So, they're practicing for two two full weeks... Liam came to three days worth of practices. He wore the same clothes each day. Um, even on the first day he walked out, he was like, oh, I have a sore throat. And Noel did the rest of the singing. Eventually, Liam just stopped showing up to rehearsals saying he was saving his voice for the gig. And according to Noel, going into the day of the performance, it was rumored that Liam had been out on a days-long bender. Liam has some alcohol issues at various points in his life. They tried out a couple of songs with Liam singing, and according to Noel, quote, it was fucking dreadful, end quote. When the band took the stage, it was without Liam. On stage. (laughs) Sans, Sans Liam. Sans Liam. He, Liam took a seat in the balcony yes. where he drank, smoked, sulked, and heckled Noel throughout the entire performance. <laughs> yeah. A good ways through the performance, he tried to join his bandmates on stage who promptly told him to fuck off. I don't remember that part. He did. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I do the remember heckling. like at, like fairly early into the show, maybe the third song in, they start playing something and then... And Noel just stops and goes, shut up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to Liam. Yes. yes. Because you can kind of faintly hear like, but you think it's cheering or something. Right. It's not ruining the recording. Right. But it's ruining it's the ruining performance. It's ruining the show. Yeah. For, for mm-hmm. sure. And and then you realize, oh, like, was that like Liam, like heckling his own band? <laughs> An it, all-time like, yes, low for any band will always be heckling your, your own, own band. band. <laughs> Not only your own band, your own brother yeah. in your band. I mean, it was just, it was so bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, again, it was the, so much bizarre shit happened in the 90s that this is kind of like almost forgotten about. But, yeah. So here is um, an example. This is... That's Champagne Supernova. Oh, no, it is. Here, we're going to we do go. the, this is Liam singing it mm-hmm. at, um... This is at Unplugged. Although this might be his him doing it solo, I may have... That's, that's Champagne Supernova. No, I know it is. Oh, I'm sorry. saying it's not Oasis. It's oh, Liam. Oh, yeah. gotcha. Oh, this is Liam. Never mind. Oh, oh, Never mind. Okay. I was trying to... I was trying to show... <laughs> it doesn't matter. I was trying to show Noel's voice, but I couldn't find the recording. They're Never definitely going to sue us now. <laughs> All right, so this next section, I think this is the last one. Yeah, we're getting there. We have a full page of insults, but after that. Uh, this last section is called Don't Look Back in Anger. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Very nice. So 
Yeah, you know things have hit an all-time low when one band member is deliberately trying to distract and ruin a gig. <laughs> yeah. Despite his best efforts, the Unplugged gig was actually a big hit and showed Noel's abilities to take over vocal duties. Sure. And yet, somehow, both brothers remained in the band, which continued touring and recording, though the wheels of the bus would continue to fall off for years more. Yeah. In Noel's words, quote, the machine goes on and the band goes on. I mean, really, that that show was, looking back on it, that was kind of the end of their North America... It was the end. Of, they, they hit takeover. their peak. Yeah. They peaked quickly. and then In North America. No, everywhere. Well, true. And then there was a long and painful decline from there. Right, but they still remained a thing in the UK. Oh, sure. They, they were still putting out... Well, let's go. Let's go through yes. it. So, um... Uh, it, the the rest of the band's history is really just, it's like a, a list of facts because it was unremarkable in a lot of ways. <laughs> there was no recapturing what the band had at their height. And to be fair, that's a real problem for anyone who hits such a high point in their career so early. I mean, they're You're first, never going to match it. Correct. And especially in our, I mean, their first two albums, it was like, it was a, a left-right, yep. like perfect combination. Uh-huh. And yeah, good luck trying to top Magic in a bottle or whatever, right? Or lightning in a bottle. Yeah, Yeah. And how are you going to get that back? So in 1997, Oasis released their third album. Uh, Be Here Now. You got it. Which Noel says was not his best songwriting effort. They they hate it, apparently. Yeah. yeah. It has one of my... You said you didn't mind it. No, I thought it was good. And it has like one of my favorite... And uh, Todd in the Shadows did a... um, Oh, uh, Train records uh on it. I did. I th- I think it's good. It's not. It's not as good as the first two albums that they've mm-hmm. had out, which at that time was like you kind of can't top that right. anyway. But it's got like two. To me, it's got like two of their best songs on there as far as like deep tracks go. Mm-hmm. But no singles on this album like anybody really remembers because it was. What are the two songs you think are the best? Uh, it, one the one song is called a, uh, 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 girl in a dirty skirt, which okay. is. It's a, but it's a good song. Okay. And, uh, man, what is the other? I can't remember the name of the other one. Okay. I'd have to hear it. But anyway, yeah, it was basically, in North America, it was a flop. Well, so in in, in the UK, Be Here, Be Here Now debuted at number two, which for any artist would be huge. But for Oasis, but For no. Oasis, yeah, it was considered a flop. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, you only debuted at number, number two, two, right? <laughs> Your so, debut album debuted at number yeah, one. Like you're never, yeah. So you can't not ever not debut at number one ever again. When the bar is like sky high, you're going to decline, you know. So, um, uh, after touring, the band underwent some major changes with Bonehead and Gwigsy both quitting. Yeah. The band continued through lineup changes. It kind of becomes Liam, just and, Liam Noel and Noel. Kept, it kept staying, yeah. but they released "Standing on the Shoulder of Giants" in 2000. Heathen Chemistry in 2002, Don't Believe the Truth in 2005, and Dig Out Your Soul in 2008. Which, actually, that 2005 album produced their last, like, North American hit, which I I can't remember the name of, (laughs) but Uh I remember it being like, everybody was like, oh, Oasis is back in North America. Well. (laughs) After, like, eight years. Yeah. (laughs) Between hits. But, and then they... Also throughout the late 90s and into the 2000s, both Liam and Noel had each gone through relationships, um, multiple and pretty messy. Yeah. 
uh, and had children, uh, and unfortunately that provided a new target for harassment. Mm. In 2000, while they were out drinking, Liam suggested that Noel's newborn daughter, Anais, born to Noel and his wife, Meg, was not, in fact, Noel's daughter. Uh, that's, you Noel don't ever say, yeah. I don't blame yeah. Noel for that. I, I, I actually don't either. At <laughs> that's all. pretty bad. When your even own if brother... That, even if that's the case, you don't ever say it. Of course. <laughs> we'll not go into the family story about, we won't. about it. But, yeah, but you're, you're right. You're yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody knows that's okay. You don't say it. We can just be blind to it <laughs> for for the kids' sake. Well, or at the very least, not when you're out drinking, because you know you're saying it horribly. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, by the end of the 2000s, things weren't just bad in Oasis. They were over. On August 28, 2009, the band was set to perform at the Rock on Sun Music Festival in France, but canceled the gig outright. Yeah. And Noel released a statement, quote, it's with some sadness and great relief to tell you that I quit Oasis tonight. People will write and say what they like, but I simply could not go on working with Liam a day longer, end quote. Apparently, in the end, as much as Liam had hoped that he was the linchpin of Oasis, it was clear that without Noel, there was no Oasis. And Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Noel said, quote, I don't like Liam. It takes more than blood to be my brother. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're going to get into more. The, the, the rest is mostly just their insults towards each oh, other. Nice. And a timeline of Sweet insults. Fun. So, the end of Oasis did not mean the end of the problems between Noel and Liam, which no. continue to this day. Oh, I'm sure. So, Noel went on... They've gotten quieter in, like, post-COVID, basically, but... Noel went on to tour as a solo act that he called Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds. Yeah, because at this point, I mean, you've got to, like, he's got so much fucking money. Like, it doesn't, it They've doesn't matter. They've both done solo stuff and yes. solo tours. And they're like, and he's like, let me just go do this thing that I feel like doing. Um, Liam is going on a tour next, a short uh, UK tour next yeah. year for the 30th anniversary of, um, Jesus, what was the 94 album? Definitely, Definitely maybe. maybe. Mm-hmm. But anyway. Maybe, so, I'll go, maybe I'll go see. Are you coming to Raleigh, Liam? It's in the UK. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. So, uh, so Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds was the name of his act, right? Liam called the band the High Flying Turds. <laughs> <laughs> Which just reminds me of Turd Ferguson and just like, it's a funny hat. Well, it's like it's anyway. like what a younger brother would say to his it middle is. brother. It is. <laughs> Except even, this even is they, in like twenty ten. Even that they're in their like late forties. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's the problem. But, so, but mentally, they're still ten. At least Liam is, but that could be due to the traumatic brain injuries. So the several. The advent of social media gave the brothers an even more public forum to air their grievances Jesus, towards yeah. each other, especially Liam and his propensity to share things on Twitter. Man, there are so many things I remember before social media. That made a stink, like on mm-hmm. like either the radio or like on, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. It was like viral before viral. Yes. It's like man, if 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 person X had said thing Y right during social media, mm-hmm. they'd have been done. Right, like it wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. So. So when Jesus. when Noel announced the debut <laughs> yeah. album for the High Flying Birds, Liam <laughs> tweeted in all caps. Shit bag. <laughs> I 
I thought you were, I thought you were gonna say shit sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> Two words, shit, shit sandwich. sandwich. <laughs> Liam continued using Twitters to say things like, again, all caps, fuck Oasis. <laughs> And tweeted a picture. This is the most notoriously bizarre one. He tweeted a picture of his brother with the caption, potato. <laughs> what is it? I, I don't, don't know. Man, that's... I don't know. You know what it is? That's some fucking deep shit. It that, is. That only the two of them fucking yes. know about. And maybe somebody else. Like, that's... Uh, yeah, and it's at, at this point that we might need to remember that he has two traumatic brain injuries. But also, um, just to clarify... When he called him a potato, <laughs> this was in 2016. <laughs> sure. Noel is almost 50. Liam is in his 40s. And he's calling his brother a potato well, yeah. on the, social media. The yeah. shoe fits. Of his Twitter harassment of oh. his brother, Liam said, quote, Lots of people say I need to chill out about Noel. Not until they stop Twitter. That cunt will always get it from me, end quote. <laughs> And he stayed true to his word. In 2017, in response to whether he'd like to see Noel open for you too, Liam tweeted, quote, I'd rather eat my own shit than listen to them bunch of beige fucks. <laughs> that sounds like a review for something else. But, but anyway. Noel said of Liam around this time, quote, he needs to see a psychiatrist, end quote. Yeah. To be fair, he probably isn't wrong. But he also didn't help matters much talking about, quote, snipping away at the last ribbons of Liam's sanity, end quote. Like, he's goading him to an extent. Sure, testing him. Yeah. So continuing on, because this hey. keeps going, I'm going to turn this into a list format. So 2017, Noel called Twitter, tw the platform, quote, the playground of fucking idiots, end quote, which I feel like you would appreciate it. Um, and he cited both Donald Trump's and Liam's use of the platform saying, quote, I put the pair of them in a driverless car each so it fucking ran into each other. <laughs> <laughs> I like that idea. I like the inclusion of Trump. Yes. In this scenario. But this was... <laughs> he's like, well, in his head, he's like, he's just as bad as my brother. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, for Noel, is like, bad. That's pretty bad. <laughs> Oh my god. This is hilarious. In December 2017, Liam tweeted like a whole thread that he and Noel had come to a truce. In January 2018, so a month later, he tweeted, quote, fuck the truce. End quote. In 2019, uh... I mean, if they had come along... Like, ten years later, mm -hmm. this was like a reality show. Oh, my God. Fucking waiting to Oh, waiting my God. God. You're not wrong. I mean, it would oh have been geez. beyond perfect. The Gallaghers. It, it would have been the greatest fucking reality show. That the Gallagher brothers. They yeah. Would have, oh, my God. Yeah. Ever made. I mean, it would have had all the elements of Survivor. Uh, <laughs> Brett Michaels' Rock of Love. Big I Brother. Mean, yes. Like, everything. All the uh -huh. reality shows would have been represented by this one show. And they missed it. But it's highly possible gonna, that I'm one going, of them would have killed Now I'm going to build a time machine and I'm going to go, go back, back and yes, pitch and make, that. Yes. Yep. I will make it happen. In 2019... Send me money for the time machine. <laughs> in 2019, Noel was discussing the fact that Liam said that Noel wasn't there for him when Liam was going through a difficult divorce. And Noel <laughs> said, quote, I wasn't there for him. 
Well, he wasn't there for his wife either, was he? <laughs> I'm just gonna say, I know. So fucking brutal. I, just, I thought he was gonna say, I knew he was gonna say something about the wife. I'll put it that way. In 2019, Noel said of his mother, now to be fair, this was kind of tongue in cheek, <laughs> but quote, I liked her until she gave birth to Liam. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, It gets a little messier. In 2019, yeah. Noel accused his brother of intimidating women, saying, quote, he sent texts to my daughter and left threatening vo- phone calls on my wife's answering machine, end quote. The, I, I can yeah. see it happening. Yeah. Uh, in 2019, Noel said he last saw Liam around 2016. In 2021, Liam said he hadn't seen Noel since 2011. <laughs> so I'm not sure when they last saw each other. In 2019, Noel said, quote, I can't stand his voice, end quote, <laughs> and called Liam's new solo work, quote, unsophisticated music for unsophisticated people made by an unsophisticated man who's giving unsophisticated orders to a load of songwriters who think they're doing the Oasis thing. <laughs> he said, it's quote, probably the best review of that uh, work, too. Right. He said, quote, I reckon if I put my two sons in a room, one's nine, one's 11, for about 45 minutes, they could probably muster up something <laughs> better than that new single of that's, his. Uh, that's, that's the snark I'm looking for, Noel. <laughs> that's, that's better. <laughs> now, here are just a couple of random quotes I don't know dates from. Um, in fact, this first one, I don't even know who said it because I couldn't tell their voices apart at the beginning of the documentary. But one of them said, quote, that's why we'll be the best band in the world, because I fucking hate that twat. <laughs> twat. Twat. And then Noel at the Brit Awards said, quote, I thought that he, meaning Liam, should have been voted best band because he's got seven personalities. End quote. <laughs> I, I still like Noel's dig was better. <laughs> the feud between... Well, that was Noel's dig. At oh, I thought you said Liam. Oh, uh, okay. Anyway. It's hard to keep yeah, the so, names uh, apart, anyway, to be fair. The other one. So the feud between the brothers Gallagher continues to this day. However, it seems that at least their kids might be slightly working on mending the intergenerational <laughs> rift. On December 7th, 2023, as in... Two nights ago. I was, was going to say, is, okay. Yep. Liam's sons, Lennon and Jean, sat with their cousin, Anias, at a Chanel fashion show, posting pictures they took together on Instagram. So I guess oh, at least see. there's that. Can you pick out Liam's children? <laughs> yes. Maybe the two the ones look on exactly the right. like him. That's some, like, footballer or something, and that's Anias. Okay. Also, can you not tell that she's related to Yeah. Him? Well, hey. They're hanging out having fun. At least we're not questioning her paternity. She sure looks like him in exactly. my opinion. Yeah. No, I mean, coming from a, a, a line of uh, people who were cousins hang out with each other. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I still find it hilarious that occasionally something will pop up in something I'm researching and it's like, well, two days ago this happened. Just that was an happened. interesting one. Yeah. And it's not as if it's literally all bad. So during the Oasis days, when asked by an interview, when you're on stage, who are you playing to? Noel responded, quote, on stage, when Liam turns to me and I turn to him and like, we just both look at each other, everything just clicks. And it's just, it just like transcends music. And it's only me and him that will ever get this, end quote. Well, sure. That, my friends, wow. is a story of the Gallagher brothers. Yes, it was. 
That was fun. <laughs> I thought you'd like that. I don't know if it was fun for our audience because they're probably like, like Re- 30 minutes ago, they were like, is this going to end? <laughs> I, I do feel this was a little bit, you know, when you do a podcast for fun and for free. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you have to do something for yourself. Yes. <laughs> I feel like this was this a for us for episode. Us. Yes. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it too. Yes, we hope so as well. So we're not going <laughs> to strand you any longer. <laughs> this was the Gallagher Brothers. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week.